Welcome to Left Play. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, Strong and Powerful Corey Kupfer. Corey, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. All right, let's go. Corey is a deal maker. He is an attorney, a speaker. He is the host of the Deal Quest podcast, and he is the author of Authentic Negotiating, Clarity, Detachment, and Equilibrium. Corey, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, thanks, George. So uh, I am uh, happily married to a wonderful entrepreneur, fellow entrepreneur, uh, my wife, uh, Ra who has a couple of companies of her own. Uh, we love to travel um, and uh, we're involved in various uh, social causes, uh, you know, really mainly in, in the areas of, uh, uh, of empowerment and growth and, uh, and equity and justice. Um, in my law firm, which is my main business, uh, we work with um, entrepreneurial and large companies to help them grow. Um, uh, corporate attorneys, we do a lot of contract work and all, you know, everything from startups and, and that kind of stuff, but we do a lot of deal work. Uh, a lot of M&A, joint ventures, strategic alliances, all kinds of cool structuring and strategy to help uh, companies grow. And then, yeah, I've got this speaking training consulting company where we got the book and the podcast and a professional speaker. And um, yeah, that's the overview. I love it. So you help businesses grow through making deals. It strikes me that, well, is an ounce of cure worth a ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure, Corey? Yeah, I mean, so listen, uh, obviously, anything you do in business has risk and, and, and you know, and, and doing deals the wrong way can actually really hurt your business, no question. Um, but I think I think actually the the other, you know, I, I think we tend to, uh, in fact, a lot of people in my profession, certainly, because we're trained this way, over index on the on the risk side and forget the opportunity side. And we also forget the risk of not taking advantage, you know, of lost opportunity or or right, uh, you know, opportunity cost. And one of the fundamental premises of the work, work I do and why I have the GuildQuest podcast, for example, is that um, every company is trying to grow organically, right? Through sales and marketing and providing great products and services. And you need to do that. You have to be able to get a customer, a client, or another one, another one. But a, a much smaller percentage of the companies actually grow through deals. And if you look at the most successful companies, they grow both ways, organically and inorganically, right? And they find joint venture partners. They do acquisitions. They license. They, you know, so it's not just M and A. It's not just capital raising. There are all kinds of, you know, online affiliate deals, sponsorship deals. There's all kinds of deals you can do. And my fundamental premise is that unfortunately, many many companies do not take advantage of that, and many successful entrepreneurs don't take advantage of that. They've had the mind shift to become an entrepreneur, but they haven't had the mind shift to become a deal maker. Fascinating. And just in the amount of time that you've been doing the work that you've done, I imagine that the opportunities and landscape is there. It's exploded. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's interesting because um, it was like everything else that goes in cycles, you know, somewhat, right. Depending on the economy and access to capital and things like that. We've certainly had a very, very good run and, um, and you know, and, and, and things are still very busy in the, in, in the deal market. And, even, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the economy. It's very mixed, uh, you know, signals right now, right? But the thing that people don't realize is that deal flow doesn't necessarily slow down during bad economies, even if we're heading that way. There's usually a pause as the market adjusts. But then some of the best deal opportunities are actually, you know, in in, in uh, more challenging markets because they create terminal, turmoil, they create change, they create, um, you know, frustration on other people's parts where they may be more open 
to doing a deal than when things are good. You know, when 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 things are booming, everybody's brilliant, right? Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I was just reading this morning that a gold company or gold miner here in the United States made an offer to buy a gold company in in Australia for a kajillion dollars. And I'm sure that that kind of stuff happens all the time. If I am a successful organization, but I'm not in the habit of making deals, how do I know if I ought to? Yeah, I mean, so um, one of the things that one of the things that we do. Well, first thing I'd say is, listen, it's one of the big reasons why I did the podcast, right? It's for people to be able to just listen. You know, we've been doing it for you know over 200, 220 something episodes now. Um, and we have deal makers on people have done deals, different people, and you get to hear about all different types of deals. So just, you know, again, I'm, I'm not looking to particularly push the podcast. We're doing very well with it, but it, it's a great way to just listen. You say, Oh, wait a second. You know, Oh, that person did that. That might work for my company. Right. Um, the other thing is we have conversations with people all the time. I say, listen, you know, let, let, let's have a conversation. I'll ask you some simple questions. You know, what are your frustrations? A lot of times people say to me, Oh man, you know, we're, we're looking to get into this new geography or we're looking to launch this new product or, we're, you know, we're, we have a great product that we're looking to get into this new vertical around it. And very often they're trying to do that organically. They're hiring salespeople. Or and, you know, I'll ask them a simple question like what, who already has access to that market, to that vertical, to that geography? Um, and have you thought about doing some sort of deal with them? And very often the answer is no, I haven't, but that's a good idea. Or, I have, but I don't know how to do that. Great. Then let's have a conversation about what that looks like. And what I always say to folks, the business folks is, listen, don't worry about the structure. Don't worry about whether it's going to be a strategic alliance or a joint venture. It doesn't matter. That's what you come to people like me for, right? Figure out where you are on a business level, where you want to get to, okay? Oh, we, you know, we want to access this market. This company has access to that. We want to do some sort of arrangement with them where there's economic benefit for them, where they can introduce us into that market, their salespeople or whatever it is, maybe that, right? And then we can talk about the possibilities on how you might do that. That's fascinating. And that, that makes a ton of sense to me because I'm more of a, what time is it kind of a person versus, I wonder how this watch works. So right. that makes sense. But I imagine that obviously not everybody's like that. Yeah, and listen, we can get into the nit grit of how the watch works as well. If if the, if you're that kind of person, um, but you know, we don't even get there if you haven't thought about that as a as a possibility. You know, to open up the conversation that hey, maybe there's this other way where we can grow, and we don't have to build, you know, a, a, you know, and and sell everything ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense, and so the the your, your your book is authentic negotiating clarity detachment and equilibrium so clarity tell me a little bit about that yeah so so here's the premise of the book is this most 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 of the books and trainings out there on negotiating are on the strategical tactical level right you know if somebody does this then you do this if they say this you do this and the problem with it some of them are frankly very manipulative and not authentic and and they really actually don't work in the real world some of them are good, but but they're on that level of tactics. And my assertion is that that's useful to know, but that's not where you know negotiating uh, mastery really comes from and where success comes from. If you study people who are master negotiators, they do some fundamental work first. So the clarity piece, right, CDE, the C is clarity. The level of work to do to get that clarity on exactly what's acceptable to you and what's not in a negotiation in advance to take that time 
And people even skimp on the external portion of that, like, you know, what's the market, you know, going rate? What is, you know, what even the, the, the actual negotiator on the other side of the table for me, what are their objectives? But where they really skimp is this is the other piece of it, which is the internal body of work that you have to do to say, hey, what is it that I really want? What is really important to me? Why is that important to me? Why am I even doing this deal, right? So doing that level of clarity work is the first crucial piece because you don't even know how to design a negotiating strategy without that. You don't know where to give and where not to give. You very often can end up doing a bad deal because you weren't clear in the first place on exactly what worked for you. Yeah, which certainly speaks to what you were just talking about of just figure out what it is that you're trying to accomplish. What is it that you really want? Don't worry about what the actual structure is going to be or anything like that. Just get clear on this is acceptable to you. This is not acceptable. This is what success would look like kind of a thing. That's right. That's right. And then the detachment piece, I imagine. Okay. Yeah. So this is the piece that is uh, that's conceptually maybe uh, easy to understand most people talk about, it, but it's often the toughest to apply. Right. <laughs> and that is the master negotiators are never attached to the outcome. Right. If, if I'm negotiating a deal with you, George, I should have a preference. We get it done because why am I wasting my time unless I have a preference? We get it done. But ultimately. Right. We're going to negotiate the deal. And we're going to get to a point where either the deal is going to work for me or it won't. And I need to be equally okay, right, with it not working or with it working. And, and, and here's the key difference. Often people will say you have to have a walkaway point. But the, the piece they're missing is that often for other people, that walkaway point is from a place of anger, upset, ego, judgment, et cetera. What I'm talking about is when you're detached is that, if I walk away from a deal with George, I'm not walking away because George is a jerk or because he's, you know, whatever, or because he doesn't get it. All I, all I am aware of at that point is I've done the clarity work and the, your objectives and my objectives just don't meet at this moment. So if I'm in a place of detachment, I can easily let that go. There's no hard feelings. Maybe we'll do a deal in the future. Maybe I'm not meant to do a deal now at all. Maybe there's somebody else I'm meant to do a deal with. And um, that ability to stay detached to the outcome, not get desperate for the deal, not get emotionally involved in the deal, not get, you know, have, oh, I have sunk costs. I spent so much time on this. I have to do the deal. Um, that is a key point in mastery is that ability to stay detached from the outcome, have a preference, but be equally good ultimately either way. Yeah, I can see where I can intellectually understand that, but then actually not <laughs> really screw that part up. It's very, very human. And let's 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 round it out with equilibrium. Yeah. So the E is for equilibrium, and so that is really applies like during the negotiation process. So let's say you've done all your great work, external, internal clarity. You're really there. You go into the negotiation in a place of detachment, right? You've done whatever you do to get into that state. You've gone out for your run, or meditated, or prayed, or did your analytics, or whatever you do to get into that state, right? You know, talk to your mentor, whatever it is. Okay. Now you go into the negotiation. And it's so easy to get thrown off, right? Negotiations are often a tense situation, high stakes, maybe. Um, you know, the the other side uh, of the table says your company's not worth half that, or you know, I you know, I I, I need the product shift in half the time that you can. You said you can do it, whatever it is, and you get triggered, right? You get triggered because your ego comes up, your upset comes up. Maybe you know you desire to want to be liked. You. You know, uh, it triggers you back to what, you know, you, you, your father or you, you, your mother used to criticize, you know, like I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, but, you know, we're human. Like you said about detachment, we're human. 
So it's so easy in the heat of the negotiation to, you know, to get thrown off, to lose that equilibrium. And when you lose that equilibrium, you lose your detachment and you use often even lose connection to the clarity. You're like, what did I want? Because you're, you know, because you're emotional. So the ability to maintain that equilibrium during the negotiation is crucial. And I give some tips, you know, on that in the book. And I actually, the last two chapters of the book are this tool called um, CPR, Context, Purpose, and Results, which we may not have time to go into detail, but that's a tool that actually helps you maintain that CDE, that clarity, detachment, and equilibrium. I like it. I, I appreciate it. And that, that makes a ton of sense. Easy to get kind of in the weeds or triggered, or whatever it might be. Um, also very, very, very human. So the desire to just figure out what it is that you're trying to accomplish and keep doing your organic growth and do that, but there also could be opportunities to dramatically expedite that process through some kind of a deal. What are, what are just to get into uh, kind of the nitty gritty a little bit, what are some of the most common forms of, 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 of deals that people are doing? Yeah, I mean, so listen, the, the the ones people probably know most about are you know potentially raising capital, which is uh, you know a deal that can really accelerate things. But but let's be real, it, it's only that's a deal that's really only available and appropriate for a very small percentage of companies. You know, if you're a tech startup, you know that's probably the mode you're going in. If you're most of your entrepreneurial businesses, you're probably never going to raise outside capital. You know, unless it may be from a a, you know, an acting business partner or a family member or whatever, right? But that's one kind of deal. Mergers and acquisitions is another very common. It's probably the deal we do most. Um, and some misconceptions around that is they, some people think it's only huge companies with big capital, a lot of capital to do M&A, but there are plenty of smaller deals that are done, whether it's, you know, even without capital, whether it's, you know, bringing in a company and somebody gets a little bit of equity in, you know, in your company or some other relationship or you pay it out of time, out of cash flow. So those are done. But outside of the ones that people think of most, licensing, if you have any kind of content, intellectual property, um, you know, uh, that, that you produce, um, that's often underlooked. People, for example, who are consultants or trainers or things like that, often tend to sell their time for money. Like I come in, I'll consult for you, I'll train your, you know, salespeople or whatever it is. And they're always exchanging time for money. Now, I'm always looking for opportunities for people not to have to exchange time for money. So... Uh, some of the some of the more successful trainers and consultants and speakers, in addition to their speaking and training, also have licensing they do where they take their curriculum, they you know they, they and they license it to a company where they can then internally train on it, um, or they have a follow up to their in in person training that's a licensed program, okay, which may be online for example or whatever, and then you start to get you know making that money you know that classic while you sleep you know uh, money right where you don't have to leverage your time anymore. So licensing is underutilized. Uh, joint ventures, strategic alliances, right? Any kind of arrangement, like I was talking about before, when you are looking for, when you have something to offer uh, a company and they have something where you can offer with that one plus one is going to equal, you know, three, four or five. Uh, we've had people that I've done deals for, and also we talked on the podcast who, you know, um, are, are experts in getting sponsorships, you know, or online affiliate deals. That's, that's a very common deal nowadays in the online space where different, you know, quote unquote influences or just, you know, companies or whatever um, have arrangements where there's affiliate marketing arrangements. Um, you know, I can go on. I mean, I, we haven't even gotten into, you know, real estate investment and deals, which is another type of deal in a totally different area. Um, but um, there are so, you know, there are so many more. I mean, if you think about the concept of a deal being 
an arrangement with another personal company that is not a sale, right? So that's my distinction. Salespeople often call their sales deals, and I'm not like judging that. I'm just saying that's not the kind of deal I'm talking about. Um, so it's not a sale. It's some other kind of arrangement that's mutually beneficial. That's the fundamental basis for a deal, and then we just figure out how we structure it. Got it. I love it. So I, I kind of opened by talking about how you know, it's better to, to, to do a little bit of this work on the front end to save yourself from some pain. Um, what are some of the other things that you say, geez, I really wish that people would do more of this or less of that? Yeah, well, I, I guess so, you know, with, within the, um, and this is a little bit of a deep comment on a couple of things we've talked about already. Um, within the deal-making process, I wish that people would spend more time on why right? They're, they're doing the deal or why they even, well, let's even go back to a more fundamental entrepreneurial concept, even why they want to grow, right? Even if it's organically, right? I have, you know, being in the entrepreneurial and, you know, growth company mo mode for 35 years, whether it's through my clients, through, you know, friends, entrepreneurs organization, I've been a member for a long time. And uh, um, there's always this, like this, this default thing in the entrepreneurial world, you got to grow, right? You got to grow. Uh, and growth is valued and, you know, and, and growth is often great, but I, I can't tell you how many people that I've had who've grown their companies and actually found that to be less satisfying sometimes. Right. And, and maybe not even making that much more money or any money, right. They have more headaches, more problems, more people, more whatever. And they haven't necessarily because they, and, and often when that happens, it's because they've been driven by the desire to grow without a deeper underlying why. OK, uh, and then they end up growing in ways that are less profitable on the organic side that are not good deals, et cetera. So I wish people would spend more time on the underlying why of why they even want to grow. You know, is there a real reason? Do you, are, you, are you really committed to serving? Like the only reason I want to grow is I want to serve more people. I know that my team and I do, you know, really great work for people. We have the strategic you know, approach and we and, and, and for me, when I look at helping our entrepreneurs grow, whether it's through deals or otherwise, it comes down to me, like what motivates me is not their growth for growth's sake, but the fact that we help them achieve their personal dreams and goals. We help them send their kids to college, right? We help them you know, create the lifestyle they want. We help them um, be able to, you know, give to the charities and, and, do, and do the, you know, the, the, the good work that the way they desire to make an impact. That's what motivates me. Okay, that's something I can wake up for and say, hey, there's a reason to grow because we can impact more people. So I'd love to have people more focus on that as opposed to growth for growth's sake. So doing deals for deal's sake um, and, uh, you know, and look at what, you know, what their why is, what they're really going to get out of it and end up in a place where when they do grow, there's really greater personal satisfaction um, than some, you know, um, I would say misguided ego boost temporarily, which turns out to be ultimately dissatisfying. I think that that's such great advice right there, because I don't know if there's a stigma around the idea of having a lifestyle business, but just growing for the sake of growing and because you think you should have a bigger organization than than, than you do is, to your point, uh, sometimes a, a recipe for unhappiness and, and dissatisfaction. So, well, Corey, thank, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Where can they pick up a copy of, copy of Authentic Negotiating? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, George. Um, yeah, so so the, uh, the single point of contact, the best place to go is my uh, 
uh, general website, which is coreycupfer.com, C-O-R-E-Y-K-U-P-F-E-R.com. They can really get to everything in there. They can link through the law firm, which is, has its own website, cupforlaw.com, but they can get to the uh, to the website. They can get to the book. They can get to the podcast. They can get to my speaking. Uh, they can get to my social. Uh, you know, I'm at Corey Cupfer on all the socials, but coreycupfer.com is the main hub. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show Corey your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to CoreyCupfer.com. That's C-O-R-E-Y-K-U-P-F-E-R.com. Check out the Deal Quest podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, pick up a copy of Authentic Negotiating and reach out to Corey and his team should you have a question about putting some kind of a deal together or whether or not it makes sense, any of that stuff. Thanks again, Corey. Thank you. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.